How about now? All right, that didn't count against my time. <laughs> oh, does that mean that nobody heard me on the recording? Is that what that means? Oh, man. Sorry, guys, you just missed out. Not that much. You'll get used to me. This is the way I am. Uh, it's pretty normal. Um, one of the things that I do, I do love people. And uh, only because God loved me first is why we love others, right? But I have a tendency to uh, talk to you all in the lobby and in the hallways and drink coffee with you and find out how your week was going and then I forget to do the important things like turning on your microphone. So I apologize, <laughs> apologize um, today. And I'll probably do it one more time, <laughs> at least. Okay, so last week was really fun for me. Uh, we got to start our series about Want What God Wants, and we're going to continue in that uh, series for a couple more weeks. And uh, we talked about that God wanted all to be saved. Uh, it was uh, fun for me. Uh, I got some good comments back from you guys. Not that I, I look for that, but it's really just really tells me that you didn't sleep through the entire thing. So it was a lot of uh, fun just um, seeing uh, responses, but reminding us all that, you know, that's a desire of God's. He wants all to be saved and that we're part of that process and that we're out there to be ambassadors for him. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk about how he wants you and me to worship him. That's a desire of his, and we're going to look at the scriptures today and kind of walk through that a little bit. Um, so I'd like to pray with you and uh, get our hearts ready to hear what he has to say. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, you are so good. We are loved by you, and we have that assurance that uh, you love us so much that you gave up your only son, just so that we could know how much you love us, but also that we could spend all of eternity with you. Uh, Lord, I pray that through what we're walking through this morning, that somehow you can speak to each one of us in our own way, uh, that even though my words be, may be many, that your words are what are heard here today. Uh, please help me, Lord. Uh, guide me with your spirit. May your spirit guide all the ears here today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you hear the word worship... What comes to mind? What do you think about? Praise. praise, yes. Praise, worship. Most people think of it as the time that we spend together here in church. Really, to be honest, if I ask that amongst a lot of people, you, I would probably get that answer. It's all oh, when we go to church. That's where we worship. Um, and then what the band just did, uh, many of us would call that Worship, and it is, it is, and Jen even said that. But is it the only way that we worship? And that's what our challenge is today, is to kind of walk through some things that if we're going to make sure that, you know, we understand that God wants us to worship him, that we know all the avenues and we know what real worship is. So um, what is worship? Um, I like the one little note that I made myself is so simple because that's the way I am. It says, worship is the reverential response of creation 
to the Creator. And I think that's good for us to remember our place in the world. Uh, we are not the Creator, and we don't require uh, worship ourselves, but we are the creation, and we give worship to the Creator. So I'm going to give you a couple, um, I'm going to read a couple scriptures. These are not going to be on the screen, and I didn't give these to the screen people uh, for a reason. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to kind of close your eyes while I am reading these, and I want you to kind of catch some imagery uh, that the Bible talks about. Um, And remember, the Bible is God's word, right? God through men has penned these, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has penned these things, but it's as if he is writing how we should worship in the response to him. So here we go in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said... Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Did you catch some images? It's amazing who our God is. If we could kind of work through our week work week, you know, wherever we're doing work or play, and we could take a moment and just kind of, you know, remember the words of Isaiah and so many others about how awesome God is and who he really is, I think it really kind of sets our place in the, in the ladder, doesn't it, or in the pecking order of life. I'll ask you to do this again. How about Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord? Among the gods, little g-gods, who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Again, in Psalm 148, it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. With this psalm, psalm is really doing is all the elements of creation. I mentioned that it's our reverence to the creator as the creation. And he's hit, the psalmist here is hitting every single aspect or many aspects of creation, praising the creator. He says, uh, let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. 
mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creepy things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all of his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. It's amazing to me what um, praise really is, what worship really is. Um, you know, church culture can kind of get that mixed up once in a while. We can get it mixed up in our flesh. But um, all throughout the Bible, it's psalms and scriptures that we read just now uh, can kind of us a glimpse into what praise really should be. The Hebrew uh, verb, hala, uh, could be used to designate the act of celebrating God. And that's what we just read so much of it, of, of it just now. It says the word hallelujah really means praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. So every time you hear praise the Lord, um, it's really um, an act of worship. Every time we use that, every time you hear that, that was what it is meant. But biblical worship encompasses a variety of activities, not just singing. Uh, bringing forward to an offering to God was an act of worship. You probably read uh, the Old Testament scriptures where that was a requirement of God. He was setting it up for the sacrificial, uh, sacrificial system. He was setting that up for the ultimate sacrifice, his son. Uh, bowing down in the presence of God was an outward display of an inner attitude of reverence before the creator. Uh, combined with certain verbs, the word worship could indicate that a person was lifting up or exalting God with praise. Together, these last two uh, terms come together. It's a really good image of worship, of um, worshiping God, both people bowing down before a God, but then also lifting him up in praise and in worship. Um, and it's interesting, this, this, when you read through some of the Old Testament scriptures especially, it doesn't always involve singing, but could. You know, when we bow down before the Lord and raise him up in prayer sometime or raise him up in praise, it doesn't always have to involve singing, but it can. Uh, I don't know if you find yourself, I'm not such a great singer, but um, I don't know if you find yourself just walking and all of a sudden busting out in praise uh, to the Lord. Um, mine is better said as maybe a hum to the Lord. But isn't that something how the, we just kind of get a glimpse of the Lord and then all of a sudden we just can't help, like our song said today, we just can't help but praise him. We just can't help but sing. So we can see that the Bible describes worship as being something more than just singing. Uh, apparently the worship, uh, the word worship comes from an old English word meaning worth ship. In other words, how much God is worth. Um, I really like uh, Pastor Tim Keller's def definition of this, uh, of worship. He says, I define worship as a private act that has two parts. Seeing what God is worth, part one, 
And part two, in giving him what he is worth. That's good, isn't it? Looking to see what he is worth and then giving back to him what he is worth. Why do we worship? Because he is worthy. God is worthy. Um, I don't doubt that there's not a person in the room that wouldn't say that God is worthy of our worship. I mean, we'll have our days, right, when we kind of doubt our faith or maybe that we're not sure, uh, maybe we're not worshiping as much, but I don't think if we really sat down and think about who God is and what he's done that we wouldn't come up with uh, the same answer and that he is worthy of everything we can give him. So as we worship God, we are assigning him worth because of who he is and what he has done. That's what we just did here today as we did our worship set together as we worship. And I hope you enter in each and every Sunday or wherever you worship that you kind of prep yourself before you just stand here and sing and we just don't mouth the words that we actually, as, he, as we sing along with our worship team, that we actually think about what he, who he is and what he has done for us. And I, I'll, I'll guarantee if you think through that as you are singing, as you are worshiping, you probably won't make it all the way through your singing without uh, your heart jumping a beat a little bit or skipping uh, just a little bit because of who he is and what he has done. One of the um, biggest mistakes we, we do when we get to church is we come to get. We come to get. But really, uh, when you look at the definition of worship in the Bible and when we read through these and see what other people did to worship, it was never to get. It was always to give. Remember, we, uh, that's why we gave the definition about uh, this is creation worshiping the creator. We should never come to get, but we should always come to give him the worship that he deserved. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has a, a, a quote that I enjoy as well. He says, my friends, it's one thing to go to church. It's quite another thing to go to God. I thought that was pretty good. Makes me think, why do I get up? Why did I get up this morning? You know, why did, am I just coming to hang out with Nick? Was that my idea? I like hanging out with Nick. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. But did I come to church today to give to God what he deserves? That's the challenge. We know that God is worthy of our offerings, our reverence, and our, pay, our praise, but it's only because of who he is and what he's done. We understand uh, of worship, um, our understanding can kind of be uh, skewed sometimes, can it? You know, when we, we kind of get this wrong, we can think that we're coming for wrong reasons, and there's a lot of reasons. We're going to talk about a couple of those. But um, let's ask this question. Uh, as we worship during this week, kind of think back about on your week a little bit. Did we give God what he is worth? I had to kind of think through that one. Tam and I had a super busy week this week, a lot going on, family, a lot going on, and uh, just 
like you guys. There's just got a lot of stuff going on. And I had to kind of think about that for a minute. Did God get what was due to him in my worship to him? So I'll ask you the same question, kind of think through that. And if you're like me, you probably said, eh, kind of fell up, kind of fell a little short there this week. Well, then the next question comes, I hope you ask this, is say, why not? You know, why? Why didn't, if he is worthy of all our praise, why didn't we give it to him? Well, we're going to talk about a couple of things today that I believe that are the biggies uh, why? There's a lot of things, a lot of reasons why that doesn't happen. But let's talk about um, one here uh, to start with. And I call it misplaced values or distractions to worshiping God and giving Him uh, what He is worth. So there's a familiar Bible story to you and me, and it's um, the story of Mary and Martha. So let's go there, Luke 10, and we'll start in verse 38. And we'll kind of recap that story a little bit. I'm going to read it to you, then we're going to talk about it uh, and see if we can pick up on some misplaced value or distractions. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Obviously, uh, reading this, Martha was a little distracted. Um, and she was kind of distracted with doing something pretty good. I don't know about you uh, or your household, but if I knew Jesus was coming to my house, I, my wife would be doing many things. She would be getting the, the table out. She would be prepping all the meal. We would be doing all that things. So initially, it kind of seems like Martha's doing a good thing. She's getting ready for Jesus. But in contrast to what Mary was doing, Jesus kind of calls out Martha in a sense and says that she's distracted doing her serving and doing many things. And that's the point I want to make to you um, this week when we, we answer the question, why didn't, why didn't God get our worship this week that was due to him? More than likely, we were probably distracted with other things. There's so many other things that we can throw out on our plate or put on our plate and say that these are worthy uh, of our time and our resources and our energy. But I guess I was reminded this week, and I hope you are too, that Jesus says, no, uh, there needs to be time at my feet. There needs to be time of worship and time to be put in, given me 
uh, what I am worth, Jesus says. It's funny because um, how Mary chose to sit with Jesus. It was a choice, this choice. The scriptures say that, that she, it was her priority. It was the thing that she chose to do. Could she have been helping Martha get ready for the meal? Yes. And chances are it wouldn't have been a horrible thing, trying to prep the meal for Jesus. But the point here is today, we also need to choose and make time to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship and give him his due, give him his worth, which is true worship. Um, Martha got scolded for this, but Martha had placed a higher value on getting dinner ready than sitting at the feet of Jesus. So I want you to think about this week. What kept you from giving God the worship that he deserves? What were you doing? What activity were you at? What, how long was that nap? <laughs> what, and I want to be kind here, but what activity did we indulge in versus giving God his due? It's kind of funny. Mary made it a, um, a priority to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship him. Are we, let's ask ourselves that question, is it in our schedule the same way that all of our other activities are? Do we have Jesus time written in our calendar? Is there... Like, is it in my planner? Is it in, we all have these smartphones. Is it in my smartphone a time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Is it in my smart calendar a uh, time to pray? Is there a, 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 a time that I read the scriptures? Is there a time I give him worship? Do I have that down? Is it a priority? It was for, for Mary and Martha got scolded because she didn't. The old saying goes, if we're not giving God our worship, we're giving it to something else. It's so true, isn't it? So true, so true. It's, somebody's going to get our time. If it's not God, then what is? Now, the warning came to me this weekend in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. God says, you shall have no other God before me. What was the God that was getting our worship this week? Gods that were getting our worship this week. Tough questions, not easy, but it's a challenge, right? If we're going to get better at our worship, we need to really evaluate these things and kind of look at these things. And maybe there's an opportunity for us to even trim out a few of these. Remember, just like Mary, we can choose the good part. That's what Jesus called it. You know, he's... She has chosen the good part. Only one thing is needed, said Jesus, and that is worship to him. God wants our worship. So the next thing that I'd like us to kind of just look at uh, that can be a stumbling block to us, um, especially in the blocking or distracting us from the worship due to him, and that is incomplete worship or partial worship worship 
This one uh, was a little bit more of a challenge for me to kind of uh, think through this week because I think I can find myself in this place. Um, impartial word. So what do you mean by that? Um, I'm going to read um, the story about the woman at the well. And it's funny, we all probably, if you've been around your Bible a little bit or been around church, you know this story. And there's always been a, a, a decent focus on the idea of Jesus offering her uh, something uh, to drink other than the water that was in that well, and that was the living water. But there's a section that we're going to touch on today. There is a section about worship in there, and it's towards the end. But I would like to just kind of review the entire story with you today, and then we'll talk about uh, the, the area on worship. So let's read together. Uh, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well about six hours. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was uh, who, is, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, then, do you get that living water? You are, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks of this water, um, this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Give, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. So now the next section of this, I wanted to kind of prep you for this, is because what happens here is that Jesus really begins to draw her in, right, to who he is, and he's beginning this process of worship. And it's really odd that when... And we're probably the same way. When Jesus calls out our sin, we deflect. We go to some other thing. But it's really interesting the thing that she chooses to deflect with, and it's worship. She starts by saying this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She's probably pointing at Gershom. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. 
We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we notice that Jesus says that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So what's he saying? I'll give you my version of this thing. You must wor worship with your soul and with your body. Spirit being your inner person, who you are inside, all you have, all you got. But then also there needs to be truth to back it up in actions. So we, when we think about just even our corporate worship here, when we talk about worshiping the Lord through song, we can kind of look at it this way. When I'm, am I just reading the words? Or am I giving God my worship with everything that is inside of me because of who he is and what he's done? Is that what I'm doing? And what Jesus is trying to tell the woman is that you, you need to have complete worship. You can't just go to a mountain and worship. You can't just come to a church and worship and go through the actions, but you need to have your inner person, your spirit, worshiping God and giving it all he is worth. The woman's theology about where a person should worship was incomplete. Her argument was, uh, that the person to, needed to be in a certain place in order to worship God. But both Jews and the Samaritans had reduced worship to this kind of thing. And that's the danger that we can be in, is that we reduce, that's worship to us, going to a place, just showing up at church. But Jesus is really trying to get her to understand and us today that it needs to be far more than just getting in our cars in going to church. Their worship was incomplete in a sense that their bodies were there, but their spirits were void of worship. We can be guilty of the same, of course. Um, we can be, we can truly be guilty of this. Our worship can be incomplete if we think that we're giving God his worth as long as our bodies are just here. Well, I went to church today, gave God his due but never really entered into true worship with our souls and with our spirits. Thankfully for you and me as believers, we can engage in worship anywhere we are, right? Uh, the scriptures say that God is spirit, God is everywhere. We can engage with him in worship any place, anytime. No matter where we are, no matter what time of the day it is, we can engage in worship. Don't have to go to us, you know, get in your car, run to the Journey Church or wherever else. Knock on the door, hope it's open, and get in and worship. Oh, the door was locked, I couldn't worship. That's not the case. Because God is spirit, we can worship him everywhere. And because if you are truly a child of God, his spirit lives inside of you. And now your spirit can speak with his spirit at any time, at any place. On the other hand, our spirit can, um, our worship can be incomplete if 
it's only our spirit. If we don't back it up with some kind of truth. In other words, um, that's what the Samaritans were really guilty of. Uh, they wanted to worship, but they weren't ready to engage with the only God of creation. They were making them up. They were coming up with their own gods. And they were worshiping, but not in truth. So we have both Jew and Gentile examples here of incomplete worship. One doing ritualistic things and not having their heart into it. And then the other just coming all out in heart, but having no truth to back it up. I wonder how many times we've entered through the doors of a church with this kind of worship. Either not really having a complete understanding of our worship, uh, of the truth that is behind it, that God is who he is, and that he is worthy of everything that we can give him. But then also just kind of half entering in, no spirit, no, not being ready to be engaged, not prepping our minds, our hearts before we come uh, in the mornings or whenever we engage into worship. Kind of like a half-hearted worship. So I wonder how many times that that's happened this week. I know I challenged myself with that. I was uh, a little taken by the answers that I got. I thought I was doing a pretty good job until I really sat down and thought through the week. Um, I think some of it was a little of both of these situations. I think there were times I, I was ready to worship the Lord and I was ready to engage in the things I was doing with Him. Um, but I didn't back it up with truth. It was worship on my terms. But then there were times that I, I felt I had the truth, I know the truth, but yet at the same time, um, I, dinner, I didn't enter in with everything I have and give it all. It's funny when we, um, we can look at spirit and truth, uh, having one and not the other is what I got out of this passage this week was Jesus was trying to tell the woman that in us is that it's incomplete if you have one and, and not the other. And we end up worshiping and giving God nowhere near uh, what he is worth. So one of the things that I wanted to do today um, didn't want to be long in the sense of beating this thing to death <laughs> about our worship because it's so personal. Uh, it's something that is so personal. Like, yes, we have an, a corporate worship time together. And uh, to be honest with you, when I see you guys singing at the top of your lungs uh, and engaging in worship, I really do enjoy being part of that. It excites me and gets me going as well, gives me encouragement. But because worship is so personal and it's something that it's individual as much as it is corporate, I wanted to give us a few things to think about. When we engage in worship, remember how the, um, at the beginning I said that we had to kind of evaluate uh, what God is, who, who God is and what he's done, kind of put a value on that? 
would then return that uh, something that is worthy back to him. Again, the creation, worshiping the creator. I come up with um, just a few things, um, just a few examples of worship. And I thought it'd be good if we really just spent a few minutes, in fact, I'm gonna have Dave kind of come up here uh, for um, maybe just give us a little background noise. But what I would really like us to do is to look at these scriptures that I have. I have four of them. And there are different areas, different areas of, or different ways, I'll put it that way, ways that we can worship. And they're not just praise. Praise will be in there. But I'd like to just kind of look at the scriptures. This is what we should be doing uh, during our week. See the worthiness of God in them and see what the outpouring of that worthiness is and how we can worship him. So I'm going to start with Psalm 95. It says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. The truth of that scripture is this. For me, I looked at this and I saw salvation written all over it. It says, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Do you shout joyfully because of your salvation? Do you give God all the praise and all the honor and all the glory that he is worth for saving you from your sin? I pray that you do. I pray that you praise him for that. So one of the first things that we can do is worship Him with our praise. We can, whether that's an internal singing out, or if that's a, a, a singing out loud for you, or singing with the radio during the week, do you do that? Do you shout before Him? Do you give Him thanks? The second one I want us to look at is worshiping with our bodies. Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you or I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The truth in that scripture for me was God is merciful. You know, mercy has been described as getting something or not getting something you do deserve. That's mercy. Each of us deserved the penalty of our sin to be eternally separated from God forever. But he found in all his mercy, he found enough <laughs> 
to pour out on you and me to save us, to, to send his son on our behalf. And in return, our response in spirit should be the most reasonable thing we could do is to worship him with our bodies, with our, whole, with our actions. We should make holiness a priority. It should be right there as a top item that we are worshiping him with sacrificing our bodies to him by living holy lives holy being separate separate from the world we we are to worship him we can can and should worship him by not living in the same manner that we see the world around us are we worshiping him to today this week with our bodies And the next thing in John 13, starting verse 12, are we worshiping him with our service? So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? This is Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. Truth in there is that our Creator came down and stooped so low that He was willing to wash our feet and does wash our feet. That's the humility involved in who God is and what He's done. So our response to that, that was the truth of it, and our response in spirit should be worshiping others as he worshiped or as he served us. Serve them as we serve others. Um, it's been a couple years now, but I made a trip to Uganda with a couple other pastors and our, our, our whole goal in the thing was to encourage these jungle pastors. So we had, I don't know, 30, 30 some of these pastors that we would start going to different jungle areas and visiting them, just trying to encourage them. And these guys were, these guys were pastors that only had like, sometimes only six, seven people in their churches, in their little hut churches. And you think, man, what can, what can I say to encourage these guys, you know? So we, we invited them all together one day. It was really cool. We got them together, and they, they all rode their little motorcycles into this one area. It was a, really a sight to see. They parked. They came inside of the, the little hut, and it was kind of, little building was so jammed that we didn't have much room. But we gave them a short message and talked to them and tried to encourage them. But the greatest encouragement I saw that day was when us three got out a basin, each of us had a basin, and we asked these pastors to sit in the front row. And we began to wash their feet, just like Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And the encouragement that these men got that day was was overwhelming 
Um, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And it was really kind of strange because they wouldn't let us leave that day until they swapped seats with us. And I couldn't help but think that day, what a picture of Christianity. What a picture of worship. We weren't worshiping those men that day. We were worshiping the Creator by taking care of and serving others. So are we worshiping God with our service? That's the question. Are we serving others? And then lastly, I want to just really kind of talk about worshiping with our means. Acts 2.43, this is uh, the beginning church, the heavily persecuted church. Uh, Luke starts by saying this, he says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. The truth of that is each and each of our lives God has done many wondrous things. If we really sat down and think about this and put some time to this God has blessed us beyond belief. And we have these means, we have these things, we have homes and cars and money and all these different things. But sometimes we so hold so tight to these things because somehow we've gotten the idea that these are ours. When really all they are is just something that's been put in our care so that we can actually just give back to others. That's really what they are. So have we, are we really worshiping and giving God his whole worth by taking these things, our means that has been given to us, and then allowing others to be blessed by them and meeting their needs. That's what the early church was doing. That's what it means by when it says that all things were in common. In other words, it didn't matter. This thing's not mine. It's, it's not yours. It's ours. But yet, I think we rob God of his full worship when we do things like that and we hold back and we don't worship with everything we have. Remember, true worship is the reverential response of creation to the Creator. I just gave you really just four quick ones that I could think of. <laughs> Worshiping with our praise, our body, our service, and with our means. But there's many ways that we can give God His full worth. The challenge for us today, and I pray you're challenged by it, is asking yourself the question, is he getting what he deserves? Am I giving him everything? And then not just on Sunday morning, but as we go out into our communities and our families. I pray you find him worthy for who he is and what he has done. I pray that. I hope this morning you've been reminded that distractions and incomplete worship can keep us from giving God all he deserves. Remember the, the words of Jesus as he says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship 
him. He's seeking. He's looking. He's looking out there and saying, who is going to worship me in spirit and truth today? If you've never given your life to Christ, the first step in worship is to turn your life over to him. If you'd like to do that and never have, um, myself and some of the elders or others will be here and just come and see us. We can guide you and point you to the Savior because he, he wants you to worship him. If you need a Bible, I want to make everybody here aware of that and that we have them at the coffee station back there. They're free. It's a great way to look up God's truth, to see who he is and what he has done. I don't know about you, but as you read through your Bibles, like our song said today, I can't help but sing in praise for all the wondrous and wonderful things he has done. So if you need a Bible, please stop by free of charge. We'll give it to you. Pray with you if that's what you want. Whatever it takes to get you in God's truth. So as we end today, I want to pray. I pray our hearts are ready to give to him this week. I really do. And I'm in that mix as well. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing so much on our behalf. Lord, if we just concentrate on who you are, we'd have enough to praise through all of eternity. And then we think about, oh my goodness, the things you have done on our behalf. Praises upon praises upon praises. Thank you, Lord. I pray that just studying your word and looking through your word today encourages all to worship in spirit and truth this week and days and months to come. Lord, all I can do is just offer up my prayer of thanks today. Thank you for loving us, for sacrificing your son on our behalf. Lord, go with us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning at Journey Church and kicking off our worship for the week, right? That's what this was. And so thank you for being here. I just wanted to remind if there's anyone new or, or fairly new to being here at Journey that you stop at the cafe and pick up a gift from us. And if you have time to fill out our visitor card, just so we can send you a a letter in the mail saying thank you for being a part of Journey this morning. And then also just reminding the regular tenders that are here this morning to continue to give your tithes and offerings, whether it's here in person at the box in the back or online at ijourneyonline.com through our online giving. So thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Have a great rest of your day.